0: Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers watch and review IMDB's top 250 English-language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and...
1: Wait, did the law in La La Land stand for LA?
2: La La Land. La La Land. La La La, la Land. Already, Or I'll sing like Ryan Gosling, La La Land.
0: Yeah. um, He's better than Russell Crowe, I'll say that much.
2: Oh, God. We can talk about how I'm so fed up with movie musicals where you go, oh, I didn't know that actor could sing. And you go, oh, why are they cast in a musical? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're telling me you can't find an actor in Hollywood that can play piano and sing?
0: (laughs) Like for fuck's sake we haven't even done the intro yet shane <laughs> oh. <laughs> hang tight a second anyway okay. okay welcome to working title the podcast where we review the top 250 english language movies as dictated by the people of imdb as of november 2019 uh this is episode 42 for us uh just wrapped up the born ultimatum last week and now we're on to uh the almost best picture winning la la land Uh, Starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. And uh, yeah, so directed by Damien Chazelle, who's done like a number of musical movies, including Whiplash, which I haven't seen, but I hear is really good. Uh, La La Land is a musical. It's a romance. Uh, It is a movie to Hollywood, from Hollywood, about Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so it's a musical, so I think there's some interesting stuff about it. I mean, it is a completely new musical, uh, only for film, so it kind of stands out a bit. Um, Released in 2016. Um, Yeah, so uh, one thing you know about La La Land is, uh, you know, people kind of, Burst into—it's a musical, right? Like there's musical numbers, you know what what you might call flash mobs. So as we introduce the reviewers here in the studio, uh, we'd like to uh, talk about what movie scene would be a inopportune time for a, a flash mob to break out. So my name is Jack, um, and if I had to pick a movie scene that would be extremely inopportune for a flash mob or musical number, I would uh, I'd pick the scene in Gladiator where he says. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. Whatever, <laughs> and it's the whole Colosseum bursting out in the song and dancing.
2: You're ruining this moment for me. <laughs> I can't hear you. Everyone's dancing. What, what?
1: Father of a murdered son. <laughs> hey,
3: I'm
2: saying some
4: stuff here.
1: Are you not entertained?
2: <laughs> Goddamn theater kids. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a good one uh my name is mike and i would i would do the scene from independence day right as the uh the ship opens up and nukes new york city (laughs) uh everybody breaks out into dance
2: i love how we're all trying to kill these flash mobs but (laughs) 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 hello my name is shane and uh my most inopportune time for a flash mob to break out would be Friday, November 22nd, 1963 at approximately 1230 p.m. in Delaney Plaza, Dallas, Texas, um, which is the assassination of John F. Kennedy.
0: Is that a JFK reference?
2: Yes. Yes. I just picture JFK in the movie getting shot and then a bunch of theater kids doing a flash mob. Not not realizing <laughs>
0: uh, what, what's his name in JFK, the actor. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. I'm just picturing Kevin Costner saying back and to the left but it's choreography.
4: Oh my god. Oh, in the
2: courtroom. We're all, we're all going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they couldn't catch the second shooter. It's a goddamn flash mob in the way. Uh, okay, well, there's that one. Jesus.
4: Uh, I'm June and my... Uh, worst time for a flash mob to break out would be at any moment in the movie Castaway.
2: <laughs> you were here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of volleyballs. I would say
1: it's a bunch of <laughs> volleyballs that just roll out of the jungle and into the ocean. <laughs> that'd be that'd be Tom Hanks' one man <laughs> show on the island.
0: Uh. All right. <laughs> righty, So let's talk about La La Land. Um, so. For those of you that know us a lot of us uh like musicals many of us like ryan gosling so i think we'll have a lot to say about this one Um, some of us
2: don't like both of those together (laughs) agreed
0: (laughs) the the basic premise of this is um ryan gosling is sort of a, a jazz uh pianist who is sort of you know, fighting to make his way in the world, right? Wants to, you know, struggling to make a living, you know, but also, I guess, respect the purity of his craft, right? You know, he doesn't want to sell out. And uh, Emma Stone is, uh, you know, the the typical story of someone who moves to Hollywood and try and make it big. And, uh, you know, is just struggling. So the two meet and fall in love and stuff. Um, so TLDR, for more, I'll hand it over to Mike to kind of walk through. Is there more? That's it.
1: <laughs> There's not much, honestly. Like, my job's pretty easy tonight.
2: Cue the jazz music.
1: <laughs> I mean, as it is a musical, it's a little bit hard to go through. I'm not going to describe the dance numbers, which tell a lot of story in musicals. It's a point of a musical, right? But as far as the actual plot goes, uh, we start with a traffic jam in downtown LA where we are introduced to the premise of the film being a struggling actress practicing her lines, which is uh, Mia, played by Emma Stone, uh, sitting in traffic who unintentionally holds up Ryan Gosling's character, who is Seb, um, who is behind her in his own car. They kind of have a... Uh, she flips him off, he honks his horn, and they kind of pass each other by. Just go into Mia's kind of life. She's a uh, barista working at uh, in the Hollywood uh, area, and she's kind of um, auditioning for different shows and, and TV shows. She's definitely the stereotypical move from Boulder... Nevada to uh, downtown LA to try to you know get some gigs working as an actress, struggling actress. You know that's whole sob story. Uh, Ryan Goslin's character Seb, he's uh, another sob story, another classic uh, struggling musician uh, who is a uh, jazz enthusiast, uh, is historically and kind of a traditionalist kind of jazz um, musician. He likes kind of the greats and he's trying to. Uh, establish himself as well and he's on he's on bad luck as well he's not he's downtrodden from a recent job where he he got fired and trying to make his way back up uh, so we we start with Mia we go through her kind of story and she with her roommates uh, decide that they're gonna go to this big Hollywood shindig party where you know there's the possibility of, of somebody being there and picking her out of the crowd and kind of jumpstarting her career and she begrudgingly decides to go along with it um, However, it turns out to be a bad night. She gets her car towed and ends up having to walk home from that party. Uh, On the way home, she passes a club where she hears this piano rift that kind of entices her and brings her inside. Hops over to Seb's story, back to the car in the in LA in the traffic, and we see what happened during his day, and and you know not any better. He he goes home, and his sister's there, and his and his sister kind of calls him out on him struggling and getting his life together and living in you know essentially a living up in the clouds in this dream world of becoming this great jazz musician. Uh, Seb's whole kind of deal is that. He eventually wants to open his own club and he's going to make it big. And um in fact, the club that, that he kind of idolized for like all the greats and the, the great musicians that were in LA has now been turned into like a Tapas. Um, I don't know, salsa dancing place. I don't remember what the name of it. it wasn't salsa dancing, Samba it was like and Tapas. Samba and Tapas. And, you know, he's he's upset about that. He's kind of one of those. He's, a, he's kind of a little bit of a hothead, but at the same time, he's passionate. He goes and he gets a job working at a. At this uh, club, and the owner of the club tells him that he has to stick to this set list, which is, you know, contrary to who he is, he's this bad boy who likes to kind of go against the, <laughs> the grain. Nobody can tell him what to do. But he plays Christmas music throughout the night uh, until he gets to the point where he's kind of fed up with it. And he, uh, like, emotionally goes into this song that he's written, uh, this jazz kind of uh, melody that is, it turns out, is the song that uh, Mia heard while she was walking by. Um, she has a phone, right? Why didn't she buy a cab? There's a lot of things in this film that don't make sense, but they're plot driving points, and this is one of the big ones at the beginning. So she goes and sees that it's, you know, Seb playing this, and, and at that exact moment, um, he gets fired because he started playing his own kind of set list, which is against the contract that he was supposed to be there that night. She tries to approach him and talk to him, but he kind of shoulder checks her out the door and 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 leaves and that's kind of the introduction to it i think that's a good kind of first starting point because we have three musical numbers to this point already done
2: yeah so that opening scene um i've seen it one way or another just because i think it's like kind of the big scene that this movie hangs its hat on and like it started me off on a bad foot and it's really not the movie's fault because like if I was a native of like Denver, Colorado, it wouldn't affect me, but I'm a native of California. And I, I just was so like, you know what? If someone told me that I was stuck on the four Oh five because some theater troupe shut it down <laughs> doing a flash mob, I probably wouldn't be surprised. Like, I would just oh, That's fucking LA. Like, like, and then again, like, I'm just watching it and I'm like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> like,
1: I-, I was kind of in the same boat. I immediately jumped into making fun of that whole scene just because as soon as somebody got out of their car, I-, I was like, that's dangerous. Like, you should really stay in your vehicle, even if it's just stop traffic. <laughs>
2: well, and I, you know, I understand it's a musical and it's, it's what it is. But like, it's something about that opening scene. I just didn't like it. It was too much for me initially. <laughs> it was too
1: much of a musical?
2: Now, that changes. I will say, this movie does win me over later, and then lose me, and then win me over again. But I started off actively hostile towards this movie. Uh,
4: I'll provide a counterpoint to that. I, for one, am angry that whenever I'm in a traffic jam that it doesn't break out into a musical number. <laughs> oh,
2: it's just a death.
0: I'll be all about that. <laughs> you get lots of traffic jams up in Fairbanks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of just took that as like setting the tone for the movie, where it was sort of, you know fantastical right Uh, yeah
4: you can go about it two ways i think Uh, a lot of movies will kind of do a it'll set the the scene as it were like the the like the literal setting Hmm. um in the heights uh, did that very well or on the opposite you can just make it completely irrelevant and just show that it's a musical
2: that's what this movie that's why i felt like the movie the music in this there's a couple songs or, like, numbers where you're like, okay, this has some serious meaning to the mm-hmm. plot, and everything else felt detached. Like, insert song yeah. here. And you're so like, I,
4: ah. So I noted that down, too. Um, it's very at- it's very atypical of a traditional musical, but it's I would say it is typical of contemporary musicals t- to where, like, the songs are just kind of random to, like... You- tell the story Mm -hmm. but there were no reprisals and like you can only sing city of stars so many times (laughs) yes (laughs) well you know honestly
0: it it felt like a a musical light to me where yeah it wasn't like sung through or anything it um it the the it it has an identity issue a little bit
1: well, a classical musical always has the song has something to refer to what's happening in the plot or story driving or communication. As far as what we're watching, this movie just did uh, a movie that really was only maybe forty five minutes long, and then a bunch of filler pieces of
2: yeah music. Yeah, like, well, or and like oh god,
1: or like all the songs should
4: kind of follow the same like chord progression or be in the same key. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, like like to your point, June. Every musical has like your through line melody, right? Like you have your little, I don't want to call it a jingle, but like you said, your chord progression or your sound. and, And every song and like everything that comes off of that is based around that idea. This has that and then it completely detaches from it for a while and then comes back to it. And there doesn't seem to be a real rhyme or reason why.
4: you know what's gonna happen is somebody's gonna listen to this episode and be like well you just don't understand
2: jazz oh we'll get into jazz
3: that person is Ryan Gosling
2: there is two things that also made me actively hostile towards this movie in the beginning first was jazz um so I I hate the the pretentiousness of jazz because like I get it some of the some of the songs with the jazz you go oh there that's a good song there's good musicians but to tell me the difference between any of the songs, like when she gets wooed by his like musings, I was like, I've literally heard that same song in Nordstrom Rack. Like, I was like, I was like yeah, I don't see people coming in off the street being like, "What is that noise? What's this? You know, noise? what is that?" Like,
1: all this, all this being said, I there were some pretty good songs in this, but none of them were jazz. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, I do feel like yeah. So the the musical numbers, yeah, it's. I feel like there's there's like two that I was like that was excellent. So what I'll say is I mean, this could not be like a Broadway musical, right? Because that would just Mm-mm. be a terrible movie, right? It would be, be boring. <laughs> so long. It would be uh Yeah, yeah, like, you know, a Broadway musical is three hours, right? Like, you know, look at Fiddler on the Roof, right? And that is a movie that is literally just a musical, right? And you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that sort of medium, but I'm also totally okay seeing a movie that is not that, right?
2: Yeah, um, and, I, and I think we'll expand on that throughout this because it, it's a weird movie because at the same time, I'm like, God, I really love that. And at moments, I'm like, God, I really hate this movie. <laughs> like, so it's a very you know, interesting movie. I'll say that much.
0: I, I guess what I'm thinking, right, is like... um I'm struggling to think of how to put this, right? I feel like the strength of this movie is not in, like, the plot or... Like, like there's not, like, one killer piece of this movie, right? Like, the music is good. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not incredible, but it's good, right? I feel like the acting is pretty good. Um, you know, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone maybe aren't the best singers, but I feel like they're perfectly fine, right? Like I
1: thought they, were, I thought they were okay. Like uh, you guys said that earlier about Rangals and I actually didn't think oh. that they were bad. I thought it was actually pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean I, Emma Stone he,
2: was good. I had no problem with her, but Ryan, I was like, bro, just play the piano.
0: He's well, you know. I I'd say he's like not great, but we're like a few leagues out of like Russell Crowe situation, right? Like, <laughs> like he, but I I feel like there's you know. I just, they I had know. the guy on the freeway singing. I was like, why
2: isn't he singing? He's a much better singer. Make that guy be the <laughs> the crying, costly character.
1: Coming from me, who has zero musical talent, I think, yeah, I thought he was pretty good singing, but
0: yeah, I, I mean think that was a
1: focal point of, like, he didn't ruin the show.
0: Yeah, and, you know, part of me wants to say, like, if you got, I don't know, like, Leslie Odom Jr. or something, right? Like, someone who's, like, a, a singer, right, of musicals, mm-hmm. it m- might also be... Be like a worse experience right because then it is it is like too musical that's a fair point
2: because yeah. ryan gosling
1: when he wasn't singing was excellent in this well He's- to piggyback on what you were saying uh jack it's this movie is kind of a combination of a bunch of different things and together it it turns out to be something that's a passably good movie but individually they're they're not very good as far as the genre of each one of those stands if you actually take this movie and you take away the musical aspect of it it's a boring ass movie yeah i agree yeah
0: yeah yeah but i i I feel like it's one of those things where if you try and deconstruct it like that far everything sucks right like
1: yeah that's what i'm yeah that's what i'm
0: agreeing with yeah yeah and i think um, to disagree
4: a little bit with your point jack there was one thing that really stuck out in this film and that was the production design and the cinematography dude Mm. i noted
0: that
2: constantly
4: it was a beautiful movie Mm -hmm. so good
0: that that is what I would say. The standout is is this is like, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's like a project almost, right? Where
4: well, it's it's very self reflexive, and you you know from the very very opening shot of this movie where it says presented in uh, cinemascope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ironically, it was not filmed technically on true cinemascope. It was just in the cinemascope ratio um and but it was shot on film it wasn't digital uh which is cool but from that point you can tell that this is just a hollywood wet
2: dream just like you were saying oh like god. by hollywood for hollywood i could hear like the la hipsters just like whispering in the theater going that's so la oh my god yeah that's so la <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe <And> it- <laughs> that's so i was gonna leave this a uh, question for later on but uh, so i this is the first viewing for me of this film but i've heard of this film and I don't know why I've heard of this film. Like it's definitely You've heard, because been, like, it, you
2: know because of its Academy. It had like <laughs> thing a, all of the nominations for Oscars. Yeah, which always happens whenever Hollywood makes a film about itself, it always does well at the Oscars. Yeah. But it was nominated thirteen times. <laughs> Jesus
4: Christ!
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so it it also had that infamous event where um the miss uh, announcement. Oh yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> got. Someone opened the wrong envelope and awarded Best Picture to La La Land when it really what? was it. Moonlight, it took like th- That's right? Yeah, it was Moonlight. It took him like three minutes to sort <laughs> it out, and I think people got as far as like acceptance speeches and shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, or like people were like up on stage. The, this movie, I feel like, is. I mean, I, I feel like there's like a good foundation, right? You know, like the the is good, the cast is good, right? the The musical numbers are good, but the. Like, the real house on the foundation is, like, the the filming, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so, the cinematography, the... Yeah.
2: So, I started off in this film with the 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 freeway scene. And I was already, like, ah, oh, great. Maybe for meta reasons, i just already against this movie, and I'm not... It's going to be hard to win me over. But the scene that I really... I don't know how much we really talk about it, but, like, you know, vocalize it, is when she's getting ready... um, and the three girls have their dance number into the party, mm-hmm. and that whole number completely erased any negative feelings I had. Just like from the way the camera moves with her throughout the 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 rooms to the dresses they wear and the number, and then the the choreography in the pool where the guys jump in the pool and the camera goes in mm-hmm. with them and swirls. Like it was just it was perfectly musical for someone that just loves musicals is a very musical broadway-esque number and thing and it was just technically awesome and visually stunning
1: yeah it had that uh, old singing in the rain kind of dance number feel of the tap dance into mm-hmm. the the good costume design yeah the
2: the tap dance scene warmed my heart as a, as a man who wishes there was more tap dancing in film again.
1: <laughs> it also <laughs> well, did something that was a, a little bit new to this, where you would see, like, it'd be a serious shot. There was still, the, it was during the musical numbers where people are still singing, but they're not, like like, Mia's not dancing. But in the background, in, like, the house, you can see that there's, like, a choreography kind of mm-hmm. dance going on. That was pretty cool. Yeah.
0: The other thing that I want to say is, for as much as this, like, is a movie, not a musical, I think some of the things it does in a very movie way are really evocative of the stage in a way that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Like the, the sort of, you know, there's tons of long continuous takes. Right. And I feel like Let me tell you about
4: the long takes. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. But I I feel
0: like just from a, it it evokes a certain like continuity, right? Like almost from the stage where, you know, if you watch like a, a player, a musical, right? Like, it you know there's no yeah, do there's another no cuts take, right yeah yeah it it just goes and it it feels like you know for as much as i say this movie is sort of you know sort of dodging some aspects of musicals it it really is able to sort of grab uncommon ones in really interesting ways and i thought that was super cool to the point where i think so the you know the party they go to is awesome because of you know this camera work like you said Shane but there are other times where they sort of get more I don't know, fantastical, right? Or like, um, you know, there, there's more effects, I think, you know, as they sing or dance. Yeah. And I almost feel like that is less impressive, even though, you know,
2: it... Oh, those numbers definitely take away from the film. I have even noted it a
0: couple t- songs where I'm like, you had me and then you do this song and I'm I'm over it. But I, I'll say it, it's not because they're bad, right? I just feel yeah. like it's just I'm missing out on more of that good stuff, right? mm mm-hmm.
4: So there's a couple like meta levels to all of this, I think. First, first of all, as it's a very legacy film, like a Hollywood legacy film, right? And yeah. part of that is the long take. Like that is it's very intrinsic to some of the classic movies, even even uh, especially the ones kind of set in the Hollywood setting. But yeah, just like you're saying, like the long shots were were perfect for this because like when you're watching a stage play your eyes are constantly moving right like uh there are no <laughs> cuts that only happens when there's a, a stage or a scene change but the the key takeaway to that is like this is not a stage adaptation no right it's it was yep. made for film and but paid homage to that again going through the legacy another another point i wanted to bring up too it was interesting to see the kind of 20s through 50s stylization but with modern technology mm-hmm. um, yeah it, that was actually almost confusing yeah even in the opening scene it kind of started with all these like old ass cars and then mm-hmm. i remember like looking away and looking back and there was just like an ultima you know like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so and i and that feeds into some points uh later for me but i think it was a cool like it, it was a it's just cool to have him in like an old ass Buick too you know like all these little yeah. choices kind of added to everything of the
2: classic Hollywood era mm-hmm um but yeah so like Mike was saying I think the first act is probably the best part of this film and then obviously we go into well, the, the next act
1: yeah yeah we'll get into so the next act is kind of the uh, the Mia and Seb kind of uh, blossoming relationship <clears throat> so a couple months later, after uh, the party, and uh, you know Mia seeing Seb playing in the in the uh, the jazz club there, uh, the 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 it goes it jumps a couple months later where Mia is going to or er, another party, right? And uh, Seb happens to be uh, hired for a 1980s pop cover band for this party, and uh, Mia kind of gets revenge back on Seb for being a kind of a you know a jerk earlier, has him play some musical numbers that involve a a silly kind of keyboard that he has. Anyways, after the party, uh, Seb and Mia kind of, they walk each other to uh, their cars, and during this moment, you kind of find that they they have a little bit of chemistry together um, with a couple of other dance numbers, uh, which... Strangely, Mia chooses to take off her uncomfortable heels and changes into what we all know as very comfortable tap dancing shoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> they kind of have a little dance number with each other and uh, Mia leaves in her Prius, uh, leaving Seb to show that his car was actually parked in front of the uh, the party's house the entire time and he was going along with this just to spend time with Mia. Seb shows up the next day at Mia's workplace, this barista uh, joint. that she, She's being a barista at a, uh, a cafe in the Warner Brothers' uh, back lot. And Mia takes Seb around, kind of shows him uh, her passion for film. And, and, and we, we kind of go into how Mia's, you know, desires to become this aspiring actress in Hollywood. And... and a little bit more of a deep dive into her background uh this then goes into seb saying that he wants to show mia his kind of passion of jazz and so mia agrees to go with him to a jazz club where he then uh as a uh, shane kind of said pretentiously describes what jazz is all about um mia kind of admitting that she's not into jazz but uh she's willing to get into it if you know with the passion right anyways um During this, uh, Mia kind of agrees to go to a movie date to to watch Rebel Without a Cause with Seb, who is really kind of pushing her already, kind of showing support that she should uh, continue to follow her dreams. And there's a there's a screening or not screening coming up. There's a uh, audition coming up that kind of might be uh, fostered by watching this movie with him. Uh, However, Mia... doesn't realize that she's scheduling it on top of another date that she has with her with her current boyfriend of about a month uh, whose name is Greg Um, this doesn't deter Seb they kind of uh, they still agree to go to this movie together Uh, however Mia when she's getting ready is interrupted by Greg showing up saying that you know they're ready for her with their date together and so she goes to this date with Greg um Seb's kind of left at the doorway of the movie theater kind of waiting however During the dinner with Greg, Mia kind of realizes, you know, Greg's this like boring ass guy, and she'd rather go with the cool jazz dude. So she like leaves, and he's like immediately (laughs) breaks up with him first, dude, that she's fucking his life over with. Anyway, she leaves (laughs) and goes (laughs) to this date with Seb, where they start to have kind of a relationship. Starting Uh, the movie reel kind of breaks halfway through the film; they're not able to finish finish the film, so. They decide that they're going to go to the uh, the Griffith Observatory uh, to, you know, late night kind of go and check out the planetarium kind of thing. I assume they dropped acid, but they go in there and they start, like, <laughs> dancing in the sky together. Uh, and that's where they kind of, like, fall in love uh, to begin the kind of relationship. She's like, I got um, an
2: idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Mia fails her audition, uh, but... Uh, it's not that big of a deal because she's failed a lot of them and she's a little bit fed up with the whole situation. And Seb starts to kind of encourage her to start getting back into playwriting, which she had kind of gone over when they first started kind of hanging out back in the, uh, the back lot. Um, she stops doing the acting kind of gigs and she starts going back into her play and, it, and Seb kind of realizes that he needs to kind of grow up. He overhears a conversation that Mia's having with her mother and it's, you know, it's, it's an atypical, the mom's asking, "Is this guy stable?" And it's very obvious this guy's not. He lives in a, a shit apartment, a basement apartment, with you know water stains on the ceiling or whatever. So, being in his forties, he should probably get his shit in order to date a girl in her twenties. <laughs> he joins a, a local band, a jazz band, and he plays a couple gigs and gets kind of, um, you know, kind of a little bit more steady. However, one of his old friends from back in the day, uh, Keith, shows up, and he's he's a little bit more of a he's kind of making it more in the scene right uh he's played by a uh, john legend john legend and if john legend shows up and asks you to play in his band you say yes uh so keith <laughs> or sorry yeah, keith yeah john legend he uh he invites seb to come do the keys on this on this new kind of uh, new age jazz band that he's putting together seb shows up does the audition it's it's all it's all great however they're definitely kind of adding in more of like a a less retro kind of jazzy kind of sound and they're, they're introducing a more modern day kind of take on jazz which is totally against where kind of sept comes from with as far as his appreciation of jazz Knowing that he needs to kind of get his shit together in order to be able to afford eventually his own club, he uh, he signs on the dotted line, kind of a thing, and sells his soul to uh, do jazz fusion with uh, with Keith. Um, <laughs> and this is where kind of the the little bit of the shakiness in in Seven Mia's relationship starts to kind of form, where they're definitely pushing each other to be good or, or to or to kind of. Pro- chase their dreams, but they're both kind of giving up a little bit about this. Uh, Seb's on the road a lot and is missing a lot of stuff that's going back, and Mia's kind of, you know, feeling that. Um, and that's where kind of things start to get a little bit shaky. Uh, and throughout this film, we have a, a lot of kind of symbolism, right? So this is when it's, like, summer, where things were kind of good and going well, and now we're getting closer to the fall, where uh, things kind of start to fall apart. I didn't I didn't even notice that part.
0: Huh. On On that note, you know, I feel like this follows, like, a very predictable or maybe even like kind of an archetypical um arc for a a romance right where you know they meet and there's the obstacle you know where she's got a, a boyfriend you know and they need to fall in love and sort of go from not romantic to romantic and then you know then it's like the happy time and then there's like the crisis of faith and then there's like the you know uh the making amends and sort of you know meeting in the middle you know, and I, I think it's one of those things where if it's too stale or too trite, it can be bad. But I feel like here, you know how there's, like, the, the hero's journey, right? Where, like, the the hero leaves his hometown, right, and goes somewhere else and meets a mentor and faces the trials. And then uh, it, it's the same thing as this, right? Like, there's very familiar beats. But, you know, it's it's well executed. It's, it's like, clean on... So, I feel almost like, despite the fact there's at least to this point no like crazy like twists or upending or anything like that. No, uh, I feel like-
2: it, well, when you go to a love story musical, you're not there to see like a whole retelling of how love stories are told. You're there because the music complements the love story. You're there for the journey
0: of it and but yeah that's well that's kind of what this movie is right like there are some things that are exceptional and some things and the things that aren't the most important are just solid Mm -hmm. i I think it's
1: a little bit i think it was a little bit better than a a typical kind of love story musical i think actually the way they represented their relationship was actually actually more realistic than that you know like you said there was no big weird gut-wrenching twist however it was very realistic in the way that they had issue with things neither one of these people in my mind were the the the, the bad person the culprit the person who was bringing the other person down they Agreed. both they both had their own dreams that were trying to complement each other and when it doesn't work out it doesn't work out and I, it was kind of i didn't feel like there was one time in this film that this person was the cause of all the problems it was just simultaneously a life event was happening that just wasn't lining up
3: i yeah. i bet you i
4: bet i'll throw in another wrench in the workshop. what if this movie was all just a conspiracy oh jesus christ it's <laughs> <is> jason born <laughs> like somebody went up to damien chazelle the director and was like i bet you can't make a movie making fun of john legend's music and have him star and in have him. John Le- that's
2: all i'm saying i was like john legend's playing a character that is actively making fun of and like protesting against what john legend is <laughs> like
1: I was but like, they actually complimented John Legend because when he started playing that jazz, I was like, yeah, this is better. This is better than I, what... I uh, enjoyed yeah. it much more <laughs> than the jazz.
2: But I also was like, I, I liked the point that John Legend made where he's like, what the hell, man? He's like, you like those guys because they did something different and that changed cool the point. genre. And like, why is it when I do something different to change the genre, I'm an asshole? Right, yeah, he's he's like, 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 the <laughs> people
1: you loved were revolutionaries yeah. and now we're trying to revolutionize it and you're stuck in the old ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was like... You know, he's, uh, he's kind of got a point there. Okay, but, but <laughs> that, then the movie like,
2: goes, nah, that music sucks. <laughs> but, but like that
4: passionate, like traditionalist versus innovator dialogue, they were like way too sober to be having
1: that conversation. <laughs> it was like so random. That's we don't know true. that. These people are dropping drugs all the time according That's to true. the planetarium yeah, yeah. scene.
0: Did anyone... I mean, okay, oh, I, 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 I do want to say I feel like the movie wasn't like, yeah, John, you know, pretend John Legend's music is terrible, why is Sebastian doing it? I, I think it was more of a question of, like, sure, it's great, but is it what he wanted to do, right? Like, this is a guy mm. who had, like, a very specific vision, right? And I don't know, I just...
4: No, Jack, you be tripping.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you took my note. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved how bad those like audition lines were uh, I, so, I wonder if it's fun sometimes for like good actors and actresses like emma stone to pretend to be a bad actress and like just well, i
4: noted that down audition. too what's the what's the acting direction that you give an actor acting like she's acting but maybe not as I'm well i'm just a dude
1: as dressed as a dude playing <laughs> another dude <laughs> uh, more. strangely deep diving ironic is the fact that emma stone is playing a person trying to get her gig as a startup actress, but she's in a movie where she's actually a really good actress who has the role that probably some other actress is trying to get as a barista in actual Hollywood. But then it makes
2: you beg the question, how are you a bad actor then? Because if a good actor can play a bad actor, but a ba- like... Are we in the Matrix? Your, your mind starts to break. Like, <laughs> wait, what makes a good actor then? Is it uh, is it the movie? Or just... <laughs>
0: It's the ability to play a Russian submarine <laughs> commander.
2: Um, did anyone no. else get caught in, in in the pool party when you hear Aha singing? And I was like, "Wait, that's not Aha. It's some shitty cover." And I was like, "Oh, it's supposed to be a karaoke cover." I was like, "God, I that's see a the, terrible cover."
4: I want to see the spinoff movie where we follow that band.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, where yeah, uh, the cover band, and it just yeah, follows I, I, the
2: the story of a star is born.
0: <laughs> I
2: kind of kind
1: of messed that part. Up. I thought that was that was really uh, a cool scene where the the what is she uh, she uh, the request she makes was for uh, um what was it Run
2: Oh yeah and I ran I ran, I ran.
1: <laughs> <laughs> where all he has is like two notes that he plays throughout the entire song, <laughs> kind of like making fun of the fact that he takes himself too seriously already. Yeah, so the great segue, uh, one thing I noted
4: down is I love that it's, like, Ryan fucking Gosling looking out of place doing, like, the sexy cool guy routine, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, he has the sunglasses and all that shit. Like, we're looking at Ryan Gosling and saying, like, what a fucking loser.
2: (laughs) (laughs) On on that same note, I wrote in my notes I was like why does Ryan Gosling this is a through line in Ryan Gosling movies that he gets to act like an alien interacting with a female human and yet it drives women crazy cause like I'm sitting here going what a fucking weirdo my wife's like, oh, I think it's kind of hot. I'm like, what? If I acted like that.
1: (laughs) There would be a restraining order. Exactly.
2: I just think of every movie with Ryan Gosling. He does something weird. Like, he looks like he's on the point where he's going to, like, catch a fly out of the air with his tongue. But, like, (laughs) women are like, oh, that look.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I watched this movie with my fiance, and she's like, oh, my God, Ryan Gosling. The real test is you have to go watch... um, Lars and the Real Girl, and see how that one goes.
1: <laughs> see, I watched this with my wife, and I kept saying, "Oh my God, Ryan
4: Gosling!" <laughs> see, the real test is you take any Ryan Gosling movie and you replace him with Steve Buscemi, and see if it plays the same. <laughs> hey, you ever, you ever heard jazz? <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a series of notes here. Um, mm-hmm. When they go to see, uh, was it Rebel Without a Cause in the Rialto? Yep, mm-hmm. I love that like Seb is waiting outside in like a nice blazer and like two guys walk into the theater in like short sleeves and board shorts. <laughs> right. And Like they're sitting in the theater and it's like, Oh, look at these two fifties cosplayers that came to the reality. Oh, <laughs> I know. Like, you know.
2: And then like she, they bitch about at the dinner, which is funny because they're like, Oh, theaters. They're so dumb. Yeah. Theaters. Everyone's always talking and you find yourself, I think as a viewer agreeing with them, on how theaters are fucking awful, where people talk, they they get up and get out of the way, they tie their shoes and stuff, or like you know they get their phones out, and then she proceeds to walk in front of the camera, at the theater and stand in the middle of the screen. No one says a oh, word. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> right.
2: And I was like, you're exactly the reason theaters are dead.
1: Well, on that, like actually going back to the actual plot of the story and kind of the character-building kind of love thing that blossoms between the two. And it's something that I have a real problem with this film is the fact that they are, in their own way, very unique people. Being a jazz lover like Seb is and Mia being, when they're going through the the back lot at the Warner Brothers Studios, she's looking at kind of the chaos. and, And there's a scene where she's kind of watching it all, and she just says... I love it. And that's kind of like shows that she's a little bit different, a little quirky in that way. So these, these two people kind of found each other throughout the film. They even play on that, that they keep bumping into each other. It's kind of meant to be kind of a thing, Uh, but it just fucking falls apart. When these two people have such this attraction, just start losing each other so easily. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this, it doesn't click. It's almost like it's, it's a forced thing. And as we get later in the plot near the end of the movie is when the entire film just for me falls apart. I think
4: it was set. It was set up a little bit. Cause he had just gotten out of a relationship or something, or like a a date or someone, and he's I think he specifically mentions like she she doesn't like jazz. Like, what are we going to talk about?
2: Oh um, yeah, cause he 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 rejected to call a girl that his sister was going to sit him up with. Yeah, his, that's that's right. Mm-hmm.
4: His sister
0: who marries John Legend.
4: And then I thought it was <laughs> a awesome like, little scene when they're walking and he just, like, casually brings up jazz and she's like, oh, I hate jazz. And it's just, like, everything stops. <laughs>
2: like, and, right. like, you see and, the vein popping out of his neck. Like. And I do like how she's kind of a normal person. She's like, I don't know, I just... I'm uh, really into jazz. I guess I could like it if, like, I saw some good jazz or something, but I don't give a fuck. Well, Mia,
1: <laughs> Mia keeps, like, choosing the the these fake-ass people that she would never date as far as the way they establish this character, right? Like, Greg. He's this... Wall Street-looking, you know, born ass dude, and it doesn't, like, and then, you know, of course, Ryan Goslin's gonna be, for her personality, kind of the way that the movie set her up as being this kind of more of a, this passionate person of play and theater and artistic sense. Why the hell is she dating these... <laughs> suit like greg people
0: only exists just for long enough for her to ditch him and from
1: and what does i that, saw he was a does nice that guy one more time it does that one more time in the film and it just it, it's it's bullshit that they even had these characters to begin with
2: greg was like uh the guy from big fish that kept getting fucked over by Eva mcgregor <laughs> <laughs> he's like what because i don't play big yeah, fish he's like because i don't play jazz because like, i have a steady <laughs> job
4: <laughs> hey you'd like jazz too if you were dating Brian gosling i love jazz <laughs> um, um can we on t- that note yeah go ahead. hold on i did i got like so many on this section and then i promptly stopped taking notes for some reason um because <laughs>
1: the movie ended
4: so uh, gosling learned to play jazz piano in three months that's wow, incredible. incredible asinine
1: yeah um just shows how easy it is to play jazz. <laughs> <laughs> you just mash keys in it, yeah, and it, just, it works out. Blah, 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 blah. There were a couple times um, when I like he was just doing that. <laughs> Let's be real.
4: <laughs> so, like you were saying, they, they go to watch Rebel Without a Cause, and then halfway through the the movie, burns up for some, I guess. And uh, I thought it was a cool nod to go then to the Griffith Observatory, which was like a key set in uh, in Rebel Without a Cause. Um, I mean this time there was more space dancing and less stabbing but <laughs> not <Yeah. anywhere> there. <laughs> um but i like that kind of overall and this feeds into that like it it picked a theme and stuck with it the movie as a whole like both in story and in art style like you know this the stars double meaning with the with hollywood or in, in la and then like the palette and everything but that being said When you paint everything pretty colors, it really covers up how much of a shithole L.A. is. Oh, it's such a... And there was not one hobo, so this is not a real portrayal of
2: L.A.
0: I can't think of any city that has had, like, a romantic portrayal in movies or plays or musicals that is actually that nice. I think The
1: the music cuts and all you hear is gunfire and screams and dogs barking and police sirens.
2: They could have done it in Sarajevo and it would have looked just like downtown L.A. Like... um. (laughs) Hey, Jack, were you triggered when um, the lady goes up to get a refund because she expected a muffin without gluten, and yet she's portrayed as the villain for getting a gluten-filled muffin? Yeah, I, <laughs> I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> I like, I'm like, like, oh, fuck, that's I'm like <laughs> what's wrong with this lady wanting a gluten-free? I assume that she ordered the muffin because it said gluten-free, and then she goes, wait, is there gluten in here? She goes, yeah. I'm like, I, I think she should get her money back.
1: I mean, it's a medical condition. Let's be real. <laughs> like, it's not like you don't have a right to ask like, for your money back. I was well, waiting for
2: her to just start vomiting or something. Just, it's just LA. Shit her you pants. never know why in LA. <laughs> um, um, Can we talk about, because we kind of got, we talked about it a little bit and then we glanced over, but it's like literally my favorite scene and I think it's important, uh, the tap dancing on the hill. Yeah. Um. Yep. Wow. Mm, I haven't seen is it. It's great. Good, tap dancing number in a while like mm. legitimately that was subpar oh come nah. on you guys have no
0: heart <laughs> I thought that was no. one of the highlight scenes of the movie what's what's
1: <laughs> more of a uh, more of a conundrum is the fact that Ryan Gosling is wearing tap dancing shoes throughout the entire movie well like and- he's constantly ready to break out into tap dance but he doesn't get very many opportunities no they're like heelys.
2: yeah <laughs> you just pop on the little <laughs> clickers yeah <laughs> <laughs> um she also carries tap dancing shoes on her in her purse apparently but i right. like because i feel like the top where they did the tap dance was a set correct or was that no No,
1: that was on location there was a lot of on-site location shots in the earth throughout this full film
0: they had to do it over multiple days because they you know they had it's the golden hour right and i guess they just kept screwing it up so it took them like eight days to do that because they only had like a short window every day
1: Damn. It also it also had a very unique sound for tap dancing where it was actually on pavement and I noticed the scratching noises were yeah different and kind of cool kind the of like a different take of the on shoe tap dancing. and stuff
2: like that. Yeah, I I appreciated it. I haven't I like
1: tap dancing a lot and I you just don't I, see I, it much I, anymore. I don't think any of us are going to argue this film was chock full of art and artistic kind of uh, you know, uh, but
2: that's one of the few scenes where it doesn't like Sometimes I feel like it doesn't nod and you just roll your eyes, you're like, oh Jesus. And then other times it nods and you go like, Oh, that's heartwarming. I, I like that. That reminds me of better time ta- you know, good time and stuff like that.
1: I don't well, know. Well kicked off the tap dancing. Ryan Goslin swung around the light pole, you know, to start it off. That's singing in the rain.
2: Yeah, like I-, I enjoyed like their little love tap dance progression thing there and their song too. I actually liked their song there way more than the Griffith Observatory. Like be I, I don't know if it's because it was more grounded, but Ah, get it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. Like the the scenes where it's a little more human, a little more real, a little more a little less like a fantastical, I think are are the best moments in this movie. It, yeah. I think, you know, the the part where they sort of dance through the air or where there's, you know, sort of they're sort of dancing through some kind of crazy effect or you know there's a flash mob on the freeway right i don't think they're like bad i just think the, the moments where it's human are so much better
4: i feel like tap dancing scenes are kind of played out and i know it was there as a reference kind of because it like let's be real a tap dancing scene in modern movies can only stand as a reference to oh. other <laughs> tap dancing scenes right yeah you're not I wrong feel like it, I just feel like it wasn't that clear in this movie. Like I felt like they were completely serious, and the writers were like, "You know, it'd be awesome a tap dancing scene. Never been done before." <laughs> uh, and so that that kind of because it was a cute scene, right? But I think yeah, I'm a sucker for know.
2: some tap dancing
4: well Shane you can drive to Griffith Park and go to this
2: location and tap dance your heart out I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't be alone there'd be like three other people there just like oh this was in La, La La tap Land dancing. just a line and like the person that lives in the house overlooking that corner is like get the hell out of here you damn tap dancers
1: <laughs> movie wasn't that good That movie ruined my life.
0: (laughs) I was also definitely picturing Putting on the Ritz uh, with Gene Wilder this entire time, too.
2: (laughs) You guys, you're tap dancing, you're shutting down freeways.
4: (laughs) Um, I wanted to bring up, like, as the the budding romance is occurring, you know, when you share a connection with someone, there's little things that remind you of them, right? Imagine that being the horn from a 1982
1: Buick Riviera. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's
4: like
1: right because whenever whenever he shows up for a date, he sits out there and blares that fucking horn. There's
2: only two ways to summon something. That's with a conch shell or a Buick. <laughs> like,
0: but that actually, I thought it worked out great. And we'll get to it in a second when we do more plot. I'll talk about it then. And and
2: uh, I like the reaction. of The roommate like, is this is this going to be a thing? Like, is this
0: just what we do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I vote we get some more plot under our belt. Wait, want, we-
1: i can just finish it all out <sighs> well
2: i have a question real quick for him is john legend the guy that that shanghaied him
0: or no no that, that was just some throwaway comment john
1: legend is uh his friend like his old like from back in the day in school friend who also did jazz with him okay i don't know when he was in, when he's an up-and-coming jazz artist like it- what does that mean
2: all right yeah Cause I, I didn't know that, and I was like, I don't understand his hatred of Keith. Like, it, I feel like it kind of glossed over it, I, or I just didn't pick it up. But um, I
0: think it's just like he dislikes Keith because Keith is like a sellout, mm, you know? No. Yeah. But
2: like that's that point. I want to say around that mark is where like I was actively loving this movie, and then there's that middle part, like I guess just all of Act Two, where I was just like, I kind of hate, and and like kind of the beginning part of Act Three. I'm like, God, I I really don't like this movie anymore. This is kind of dumb. <laughs> and then the ending happens, and I'm like, you know, ooh, oh, low teary. Like, <laughs> got me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys felt differently. But I felt like the middle of this movie is just like like a corpse dragging itself. It's just, a slow burn. Ugh.
1: Well, should we go all yeah, the way down? just, just finish it off. Yeah. All right. So after Keith... It signs Seb and they start going on tour. And, you know, Mia's starting to work on her play. Um, Their relationship starts to have a little bit of a rockiness and they they get into an argument uh, when Keith is, or sorry, Seb's trying to like make dinner for them together. And Seb accuses Mia of liking him more when he was down on his luck. And Mia accuses Seb of kind of being a sellout. And so it's already the start of some, you know, a bad relationship going even worse. Um, A couple weeks later, Uh, Mia's play is due to, 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 you know, to have her premiere and Seb being with Keith Spann has a, another scheduling conflict, by the way, there, I saw an iPhone in this movie and I know for a fact there's calendar apps and this would solve a lot of people's relationships if they just put like a, like a reminder of when a fucking date is regardless, he doesn't make it to this play's opening uh you know night or whatever the the premiere and sounds like he didn't he miss much yeah he, he shows up and and me is pissed and and nobody showed up to her play and she decides that she wants to break it off with with seb and move back to boulder nevada and uh you know seb is kind of heartbroken and heart torn or whatever turns out that there was a uh not a film critic, but like a film director slash writer somebody who's in charge of some kind of making movies was at uh, this little production that Mia put on. And this person is trying to contact Mia in order to give her a chance to cast for this big movie that's coming up in Paris. But she can't get a hold of Mia because Mia's turned off her cell phone, which I think is the cause of missing all of her... Scheduling dates. <laughs> she can't afford the bill anymore. <laughs> right. So, so in other words, or in in what she ends up doing is is contacting Seb, and Seb then uh, wants to make up for the fact that he's being an asshole and kind of messes relationship up, and and goes and tries to find Mia in Boulder, Nevada, remembering that she mentioned that she lived across from a library in uh, in in Boulder, Nevada. He gets there, blares on his his horn in the where he thinks maybe Mia's at. Uh, Mia comes running out, and Seb explains that there's this chance, and that he he wants to pick her up the next morning at 8 a.m. so he can drive her back to L.A. four hours away to to make this audition. Uh, she, you know, you know, blah blah blah. There's maybe it's not gonna happen. Maybe it is it does happen. She shows up the next morning. They get in the car. They make it there. It turns out it's a, it's a great audition. Exactly what she's looking for, and uh, she she does this amazing amazing story about her aunt that inspired her or whatever and uh that's enough to impress these people she gets the part mia and seb they go back to the observatory and they're having like their their conversation they kind of realize that both of them are now accomplishing their dreams in their own way and that it's not going to work out together and they should probably you know say goodbye as friends and maybe meet up later again uh flash forward number of years later later uh mia is now married and a successful actress uh, in Hollywood and has a kid and and a husband, and she's on a date night or going to some premiere or something, I don't know. And uh, she goes by this club where they're going to go and have dinner or something or other. This is when I really lost lost me in this film. Like it, The movie should have ended when Seb and Mia were, were at the observatory. But it continues on, and it kind of plays out to the end that Seb, he accomplished his dreams, he got his club, he stopped being a sellout. And Mia goes accidentally with the husband to this club again, accidentally, and uh, <laughs> sees Seb play um, the song, and Seb kind of sees her in the crowd. And there's uh, the last number is Seb playing their song, and it's kind of a if everything had gone perfectly, kind of a scene where it plays through the beginning of the film to the end of the film in one take of their their lives that could have been, but it then becomes back to reality. Mia leaves with her husband, and uh, Seb and Mia kind of share a little bit of a a, a little moment where they kind of smile at each other, and that's the, the end of the film. So this is what I was referring to earlier in the film about Greg, is why does Mia keep choosing these people that aren't Ryan Gosling or Seb throughout the film? Like, why would it have been so hard for her and Ryan, or and Seb, to kind of reconnect. I'm not saying that should have happened. I think that actually would have cheapened this film and made it worse. Absolutely. But I just think it was silly that they even had this ending portion at all. I think the movie could have beautifully ended when Seb and Mia kind of agreed that their dreams are progressing, but together they're not, and it should have just stopped right there, and that should have been the ending that, in my opinion, would have been the better ending of the film.
4: I agree with you. I... I like the uh like the Pixar montage ending that they did. Yes. Um, to kind of recap their whole life, or in this case, it's what could have been, but they sh- they could have made that what did happen, and then it just like ends with a scene of Seb's club opening and like yeah Mia's career, like a movie poster with her in it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they it's
2: almost like they needed a tearjerker. I I think you're 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 right and um june and you are right because like i really liked the the five years later and what could have been part where like Mm -hmm. if maybe they didn't this is what could have been and and it's obviously a fantasy because like yeah that's all perfect but nothing's ever perfect like that that's just it's literally how he's thinking during the song like that's his song what he thinks of when he's doing it so i like that i agree we didn't need to see her date greg 2.0 or Mary Greg 2.0. Like, <laughs> and like, like I, we didn't need that. We just needed, like, maybe, like, him to be like, Welcome to Sebs. And he just sits down and, like, plays that song, and that's our end. You know, like, we, we could have skipped all the, the dumb shit in the middle. We're like, Oh, really? Well, You're happy with second Greg? Like,
4: well, <laughs> that being said, it was kind of a twist ending for me, right? This had everything everything was set up for the happy ending like they're together Mm -hmm. kind of shit so i'm super glad that that didn't happen Mm -hmm. Um, yeah oh and they didn't even leave it it hanging
0: there's no will they won't they no yeah well i i liked how it was almost like a reveal like they sort of let it play out a little bit to let you think they're together and no, she's she's found another love you know and yeah I, i thought that was good you know and you can't do that without committing a bit of time to it and i don't think they spent, like, a whole ton of time between when they revealed it was Greg 2.0 and um, <laughs> when they got to the club. And part of it was so they could mirror those scenes with Ryan Gosling later, you know, in the montage.
4: Yeah. Now, my ultimate gripe with that, though, with Greg 2.0 and the whole concept of him, it's, like, it's kind of easy to empathize with Gosling slash also at the same time new Greg. Because, like... We yeah, don't know anything the about in this that. Film are getting <laughs> fucked over. Yeah. Well, we don't know anything about that dude, right? So yeah. it's easy to say, like, yo, fuck that guy. Like, they she needs to be with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. But on the same vein, like, five years is not enough time for that to be believable. No. Also, it like there's this thing called social media. Like you're telling me they don't follow <laughs> each other on Instagram? <laughs> that's like, what i was saying Jazz that's what i was by like
1: phones. she she accidentally shows up at his club really you didn't yeah. look it up once she didn't see it when he yeah.
2: when he sent every contact in his phone come to seb's opening night
1: or, or they <laughs> like left you've... his friends right why wouldn't he be like hey i got my dream like why wouldn't he message her and be like hey i, m- I opened my club and guess what yeah, i named it come seb's, like you told me to
4: yeah like you could the the whole time you know you would imagine that they're like you sorry so you had such, like, an emotional connection between these two people, and then in the span of five years, also, like, it's not like Sebs is in butt-fucked Nebraska.
2: <laughs> it's in
4: L.A. That would have been Aaron. funny. You'd work in Hollywood.
2: If she was, like, <laughs> on a through
1: flight and she goes to an airport and just sees Sebs bar in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's It's also close enough to where she is commuting, you know? Like, it's not just, it's not another part of town. It's just on the way uh but but going back to what i was saying earlier about the communication kind of breakdown of this film is the fact that it's not realistic how these people can't keep track of things like you were saying like having social media and being able to kind of follow that kind of thing it's it's definitely forced in that they suddenly lost contact with each other but
0: i don't know i mean it's it's one of those things where like how do you you're crazy about someone and it it doesn't work out maybe you kind of intentionally let it drift a little bit you know so it's, I don't know, raw, raw feelings, you know? But
4: it, it's not like they broke up t- technically, right? It was more like life got in the way kind of thing. You know, it's not like there was an active, like...
2: Why didn't she
0: hit him up when she got back from Paris?
4: Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a very menial problem. Like,
0: I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I... I I could totally see it happening where like you have like this crazy relationship with someone for a year and then you have to go to the other side of the world and kind of call it good. And it's just easier not to dwell on it and talk about it a lot, you know, it's-
1: I guess I, the, the, I guess the real issue I'm having is you're. I think you're right, Jack. I think that's not that far fetched. You know, when it comes down to it, I could I could understand it. I didn't like that. They wrote the end of this movie to almost portray Mia as being I felt animosity toward Mia at the end of it, and I felt sympathy for Seb. And throughout the film, like I was saying earlier about their relationship is how they did a great job in this film early on of portraying both these people not being the bad guy. There was not one person Mm -hmm. that was really intentionally messing somebody else's life up. But at the end, it kind of definitely made me not like Mia more than Seb as far as their choices went. I just think it was unfair as far as they almost made a a person worse off for it.
0: But yeah, it's it's funny because... You know, on the one hand, I feel like there shouldn't be a reason, right? Like they both got their dreams, right? And Mia is just, you know, married a guy that she Right, and I should there's really no likes, reason right? I shouldn't. But I but do. I, I also agree like I feel like it, it feels like she did him dirty somehow, right? But it it's not like Ryan Gosling was waiting for her, you know, like he
2: Right.
4: Well, this but, could have been solved by just saying 10 years later.
0: Yeah,
2: maybe a little more distance. Yeah, like I five don't know. years. Come on,
0: I did love like, how it was pretty much just a ratatouille moment where we like <laughs> go back into the <laughs> reviewer's brain, right? And
4: well, so well, I'll follow. I'll follow that up with like this movie, La La Land, was filmed in forty days. Wow, you're telling me you couldn't wait for forty days. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not like she was in Paris for five years. (laughs)
2: That's true.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, they were also, like, writing the role and movie around her, and she was writing it. She was
2: writing it, right, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about (laughs) that, oh, it's a hit. The movie that they hadn't even written, they're like, oh, we'll just write it as we film it, because that always goes so well. (laughs) In (laughs) Hollywood, it's oh. probably good enough to
4: make it on imdb's top 250 <laughs> I,
0: mean, I feel like we've seen movies where you know like maybe the the movie is largely written but they write the role around an actor right like that's well, not crazy maybe, uh, well, okay maybe not like an unknown actor that you just kind of saw on, on, on Broadway, a failed but... one woman show
4: <laughs> let me tell you about writing the role for for a character emma stone Who is naturally blonde has just been typecast as a redhead.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Like ever since Super Bad. It's just she'll never let it down.
0: Um so So okay, I one, one second before we get too far. I do want to come back to the the little ratatouille montage. And this was my take on it. I don't I mean, you know. I don't know if it's like the canonical take. One thing I thought was interesting, right, is at the end of this montage, they're together and they go out in sort of this parallel journey and they go to Seb's together, right? But in that universe, right, like it, it's not Seb's. They would have been chicken right? because, on a stick. Well, I mean, <laughs> he, they wouldn't have been going out to go sit in the audience for the opening night of his new club, right? Correct. I feel like in this little... You know, fantasy. What could have been universe? Uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, for that to be true, even in a fantasy, Ryan Gosling wouldn't have, you know, fulfilled his dream. Mm. Interesting. I didn't even think it, of it yeah. that. Did way.
4: she fulfill her
0: dream in his fantasy? Um. You bring up a she, good point. She I was just... a
2: movie star, I think, in her fantasy because they go to Paris.
0: Yeah, she was in oh, Paris. Yeah. Interesting. And, I mean, they're clearly much more successful, right? But wow. Yeah
2: that's that's a that's a deep point though jack like in yeah. order for it to work he would have had to give up his yeah, dream someone
0: would have had to give and yeah i,
1: I agree mm. my gripe is no longer my gripe You're, it's very possible that relationships fizzle out because honestly they were only with each other for how long like in, as far as the plot went not very long a
0: season it's like yeah. nine to twelve months maybe yeah
1: that's not that long that brings now, what was the deal with the season title cards and I think so. Going on uh, something the, that I liked about this film is there was a lot of uh, symbolism throughout it. You know, with the, the the seasons and how the seasons related to the relationship, and then there was a lot of little subtle things throughout the film, where his big catchphrase of like when he's saying kind of like you know don't give a fuck was like something caca or something like that. Caca. Yeah, Whatever. Something and there's, there's 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 like a billboard where their relationship starts to fall apart in the background. It's a big, far-back shot of Ryan Gosling in front of the theater. And on the billboard, it says, Fitty-Doo-Doo. Doo. And it was just interesting that oh. that, that little, little bit of symbolism's there where it kind of shows stuff. A lot of it throughout the film of mm. being symbolic, like the color scheme, right? And, you know, the ties he's wearing, the the, the costume design all kind of symbolizes the feel of what's happening during the shots.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm going to yeah. bring up a gripe, kind of. More of just a an issue and that's with we've been kind of talking about it but like the friction points in this film like what creates our friction between the characters and on one hand i think they did a good job it feels real like him traveling a lot would be an issue right she misses him and him being like oh i'm just gonna be gone and home you know once a week every year for the foreseeable future but at the same time her issues like your music sucks like <laughs> you know what i mean like she's like why don't you just like be broke again and like play the music that i didn't like before but now i'm all like miss jazz purist like the messengers weren't that bad and he looked like he well, was no
0: and she it was never a question of them being bad it was she's saying like you don't even like what you're doing you know like i don't know You seem to yeah, be she enjoying even
1: says herself. that she likes it well, this deep dives into what I was talking about of, like, a realistic relationship fight. Both of them had very solid points. Both of them were trying to support each other, and both of them were misinterpreting each other's... He's gotta pay for her
2: shitty one-woman films or whatever the fuck she's doing, so he's gotta work.
1: Jesus. Well... <laughs> well I think somebody chose a side. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I
0: think Ryan Gosling was kind of the asshole in the relationship, that, that, or in that argument, right? Be- oh, well, well, he, he said some mean things. He said, said, some, some, uh, he things,
1: said yeah. some real things. But you can... You can- <laughs> You could but take he, both of their responses, and you could be like, "I could see that. I could see yeah. that
0: being oh, justified." Oh, him saying that it's she wants human. him to
2: be, you know, pathetic or not doing well because it makes her feel better about where she is. Right. That's yeah. Dark. That's, that's a that's real mean, mean. But like,
0: that's a real knee jerk like thing that someone who's like maybe a little hurt might say too. You yeah. Know, I, that I think that, though,
4: like, I th- I think you're right though in the sense that he was the the kind of the bad guy in that argument because he had sold out, and I got that as kind of like. I don't know, it sounds stupid, but, like, he strayed from the path of jazz. <laughs> <laughs> this is his dark
2: side moment. Search your you feelings, know. you know it to be true. <laughs> well,
1: from, like a, from, like, an empathetic kind of relationship, kind of sociol- or psychology kind of standpoint, though, they both are made points, they both are definitely hurting each other, and that's kind of the reason it doesn't work out.
0: Yeah, well, I mean... Right, he yeah, would have never I, done that
1: if he didn't feel that he needed to
2: become better to, like, support her. Yeah. He would have told Keith to fuck off and he would have just kept drinking and doing jazz for $10. But in
1: in the end, they both reach their dreams and it definitely was because of the support structure they gave each other like yeah. she definitely pushed him into becoming an adult and getting the money that he needed to open his jazz club which he no longer is a sellout right he he had to sell out for a while and then he went back to what he was passionate about and on the converse side mia would never have gone to that audition if ryan hadn't shown up in boulder nevada and driven she her aspect done that, or that the, little the thing the one that, play to show. that
0: got her the attention right yeah and like I, I think that's one of those things where like they both look at each other and re- you know it's they are where they are because of their relationship right and it's in a realistic way you know where and it was
4: just a good romance without the relationship part right
0: and you know i think the i i think that argument is one of the the high water marks of the movie too because it's it's almost like in contrast right like it's it's so real in comparison to sort of a lot of sort of fantasy you know like Even the sort of realistic things, right, you know, are fantastical, right? You know, like, they keep meeting each other, and she knows, like, this perfect song to totally, like, shit on a a serious pianist, you know, make him play (laughs) Iran, and, you know. (laughs) You know,
2: halfway... Sorry, go ahead, Jack. I like that song. (laughs)
3: It's catchy. (laughs)
2: You
1: know, halfway halfway through this film, it stopped... uh, Well, at least, so, so... you know, reflecting back on this film, it definitely started strong in as a musical, and it felt like a musical. It had the dance numbers, the singing, you know, the, the extravagance. Somewhere along the lines, I stopped thinking of it as a musical, and it became a romance with a couple of songs. Yeah. Did anybody else get that feel that it's kind of lost the the whimsicalness of a musical and became more of a serious uh, dr- um, rom- romantic movie?
0: Yeah, honestly, I... I I agree. But I also kind of feel like, is it just wrong to call it a musical in the first place? Right? Like (sighs) maybe maybe. like, why are we considering it a a musical? Does it present itself as a musical? I mean, Wikipedia calls it a musical romance film. Right. But I honestly feel like, you know, maybe, you know, it's got musical numbers and people sing, but I almost feel like it's it's wrong to call it a musical. It's something else.
1: Hmm. It was definitely a crossbreed of movies.
0: Yeah. And I do enjoy when movies don't like fit neatly into one little genre, you know, so I I kind of like that. And I I agree, Mike, right? Like, there's a point where it's, is this a musical? Is this sort of a a romance where they sing? Is this sort of like a drama, you know, like a very human realistic one at some points, you know? It's, it's like different movies and different steps.
2: It's definitely a, different acts. a movie musical and like we said earlier, not a stage adaptation because like that argument would have been a trigger point for a song. They would have like separated and like sang <laughs>
0: Valjean
2: <laughs> at last. They would have like separated and she would have been like, Why won't you listen to me? And he'd be like, I just want to achieve my dreams and like that would be like <laughs> and, then, and then it would be like five years later or something. <laughs> but um it doesn't do that there, but then it decides it wants to be a musical again when, like, tell us a story, and then, like, she sings, and I just picture the director being like, that was lovely, but um, it's not a musical, what we're gonna do, so... <laughs> well,
0: like, what do you mean when you say it decides it wants to be a musical? Well,
2: like, it doesn't follow, like, the, the key points that you would in a musical, but
1: sometimes it does have the
2: trigger points where you go, and song, like... I, I would like I, to watch
1: I, this movie from somebody, a character that's almost breaking the fourth wall, like you said, after the interview, being like, why are you singing right is now? This a Mel Brooks yeah. movie. <laughs> Dude, I, I noted that
4: t- down, too. I Like, I know it's a musical-ism, but part of me hopes that she went into that audition and just actually started singing.
2: <laughs> and, like, it's like the, there's another point, because, like, when she has her one-woman show and there's the two randos, there's, like, that sucked. <laughs> like, like, keep your day job. Like I mean, she like walks out the door and the director's like, What the hell was that? What I just want her to just tell a story. She's just singing and shit. <laughs> She's like quits again. We'll we'll write the
4: parody of La La Land. Yeah. Fall La Land. I also think that I also think that every movie needs to reserve a spot for J.K. Simmons.
0: Oh <laughs> I feel like J.K. Simmons could have been he was okay if there was any more of him it would have been a jk simmons movie but
2: it was hilarious where he's like he's like yeah i know it's christmas i could see the lights get the hell out (laughs) (laughs) that man is a gem
0: i have never seen jk simmons in anything where he did not steal every single scene he was in
1: (laughs) you know as far as the relatability of this film going way back to the beginning of this cast I didn't relate to any of these characters throughout the entire film. Right. I think this, like you were saying, it's a Hollywood kind of, uh, driven, uh, tailored kind of plot. And for me watching these people, it's almost annoying to see their complaints and to listen to them, bitch about how hard it is to go on audition. It's like, sit down. I don't care. Yeah,
2: Unless you're like an actor or something like some of it's just like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm sure it's really rough to get a review. But I was like, did you really think the first play you ever wrote and it's a one-woman show was going to win a Tony? Like, I, well, that's another thing.
1: A one-person show never does well. Was like,
2: I, it was my left foot. Like, you're not, <laughs> <laughs> not going to be great. You're, it's probably going to flop. This is just, you should understand
1: that this is a... Uh, yeah, who wrote yeah but- this? Like, why did they choose jazz and then one woman show? Like, the two <laughs> <The tube> hardest <laughs> shit to like get ahead in. Uh,
4: I think part of that was intentional, um, in the sense that like you could honestly go to L.A. and point out ten people who like think they're gonna make it big. Mm-hmm. Like they're, you know, you know what I mean. And some do, right, to their credit, right. But it was it plays on the kind of overdone like aspiring actor, like struggling musician, uh, yeah. Line it, of storytelling. it. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you know, so I want to say two things, right? So first is part of what makes the, the sting of the play flopping, right? Is that it had been Sebastian encouraging her so much and like hyping her up and, you know, pushing her forward to do this thing. Right. And so it's, it's like a, you know, double whammy, right? Like, people hated it and you know no one is ever like stoked to have something she poured her heart into this right right no one's gonna be happy if it isn't well received right and you know maybe she doesn't think she's gonna win at tony right but it's
2: i just i looked at his karma because she was trying to yoko ono the messengers was... <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway but uh yeah, so it's it's that, and it's the double whammy that it's like, oh, and then this guy who pushed her so much to do it, saying it was great, you know, saying, you need to do this, you know, like, it's whatever, right? And then he doesn't show up, right? And so it's just like, you know, just rapid fire punches. Yeah.
4: On the line of that, what I really liked about this movie that, it, you know, we've already ascertained that it's self-reflexive, but it's self-deprecating at times. Like, they're leaving something, and she's like will you get will you get my keys too? And he's like, what do you drive? And it's a Prius. And then there's like 30 <laughs> Prius keys on there. So I got, I got so, and, yeah, got nothing. Yeah. It does make fun of Hollywood. Yeah. It, yeah. it makes fun of itself. And so to, that, to the credit of that, I could see the writer, director, everybody kind of, actors even looking back and being like, you know, kind of identifying with this, right? Even That's the true. bad parts, you know what I mean? But is that a stretch to get people like you and I who aren't, la i think it would have been worse if they didn't do that and it was all fucking sunshine and rainbows yeah true
2: the pro i think the issue at least personally where i come from is i've seen too many love letters to hollywood now you know like Hmm. this isn't the first time hollywood's made a movie about like oh remember fred astaire and humphrey bogart like i I get (laughs) it like you liked the old days Trust me, there were some issues. Like, I'm pretty sure half those actors died of alcoholism. <laughs> like, like, like. Yeah. yeah. But you're right.
4: This time, like, everyone's a barista. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like,
1: it, it plays on those stereotypes very well. A little bit on that note. Uh, kind of a refreshing take of this is as it is a drama, it never did anything way over the top. It stayed within the bounds of, it wasn't too heart-wrenching, nobody got into a car wreck, nobody cheated, nobody, you know what I mean?
2: (laughs) That's true. I was afraid that she was gonna leave Greg again in Seb's. (laughs) Like, he's gonna be like, God damn it, this jazz music (laughs) keeps ruining my
0: relationships. Like, I was, I was... (laughs) Goes home on Google's how to play jazz.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, like, or, or like, I was waiting for that awful scene where, like, I guess this isn't. Right, it never it, came. This isn't Greg, but like, she comes home and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I heard you like jazz, so I bought this jazz record." Like, <laughs> she's like, "You know, like, <laughs> or, trying or, to be, you know, him. Ryan
1: Goslin didn't like have an affair while he's on tour." You know what I mean? Like, it was nice that they didn't have to get so extreme. Yeah, there was no
2: other yeah. woman or like temptation or something like that.
1: She didn't leave Greg with a with a kid. Greg two point didn't have to raise a child. by... You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's that we know of, she could have gone back to, to go Seb's. back to. Well, I mean, it's the next movie.
0: Yeah. Law <laughs> Two Back to Seb. <laughs> 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 that was the best.
4: That was the best way to sh- to to end this. Now I, I kind of take back like the movie. Would have been better if it ended earlier. Like the, that montage of what could have been. Mm-hmm. It, the was movie pre- had two, yeah. the movie had two endings, right? Yeah. Like we got to enjoy
0: both. In which yeah, was they clever. fucking upped us. <laughs> they upped us.
1: I I, I personally like now that we've talked a little bit more of this. Like yes, it's beautiful. I personally would have turned the movie off at the uh the last scene with them. But that's you know I mean I can do that right. I mean I have the right. Yeah, I mean it's it's your movie.
2: You can. You can remember this it's movie. You should play the piano, kinda just hit like two notes and just remember this movie differently. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, just Mike, it's just a montage of Mike sitting on a couch watching a movie. Except he just turns it off and stands up ten minutes beforehand. It
2: and like it's like him talking, but you can't hear what they're saying, and he look and you look at the notes and it says, I loved La La Land. <laughs>
4: uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, actually, for every other movie remaining on this podcast, Mike, you're not allowed to watch the last 10 minutes. And La La Land actually wins Best Picture if Mike turns it off. Oh, that's true. That is true. He changes history and
2: Moonlight doesn't win.
4: (laughs) I like this. I like this
0: alternate reality. (laughs) Uh, And they play Iran. (laughs) that's That's
1: his song to her. (laughs) <laughs> Jack you were, you were talking earlier you said you were talking about how like at the beginning the at the very beginning when they're stuck in traffic uh Seb blows his horn at at Mia and then it becomes this kind of ongoing kind of reference throughout the film and then he sits out in front of her house blaring the horn until the neighbors are throwing like newspapers and shit at him and does Boulder City
0: only yeah, yeah. have one but, library so no that's that's what I think is is the thing right like he doesn't know which house hers is. He just goes to the library and just fucking slams his horn. <laughs> and he could have gone to every library and done that for all we know. <laughs> just, just like that's it's one of those like fridge moments, right, where it's like I mean, it's it's not like a it, it's hard to call it clever, right, because they probably set this like little uh quirk up just for this purpose, but then you're like, oh yeah, he doesn't need to know which house she's in. He just Drives up and haunts.
1: <laughs> well, Seb had a lot of, I think, social weird uh, like problems going on. Like he constantly was some kind of klepto of sneaking into places without paying, like you know, like he sneaks into the, the Warner Brothers lot, he mentions that. And then also when they're on one of their dates, he like closes the door on one of the security guards because it's like a dollar fifty to go into the museum and he just runs past like he he is opposed to paying Any kind of admission fees to anywhere he goes.
2: (laughs) He doesn't have the cash,
1: Mike. (laughs) Ironically, his own club has zero admission fee, too.
2: (laughs) That's true. No one pays to get in. There's no cover charge.
0: Oh, and also, they were like, let's get dinner at this cool little place. And they just get two drinks and sit down at like a, you know, a 12-inch i am the table i know i would have been in there like like, so much like, for dinner honey i don't
2: think they have dinner here i think it's just jazz like, there's no <laughs> it's food just
1: here. it's just it's gin whiskey yeah, and it's jazz a, it's that's all a all real jazz here.
2: bar there's no food there's just liquor
0: and music <laughs> that's why it should have been chicken on a stick yep at least they would have had food <laughs> all right uh any other notes about the movie overall i think we hit Yeah, it.
2: i think we this was, at least we had a movie that we could, like, discuss well instead of just all shitting on. This one has actually like, a good well, yeah, discussion. We kind of did both. And what a cut to go from opening doors with guns to jazz. Uh,
4: <laughs> despite the shitting that I did, I really like this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's that time of the cast.
0: I think I like jazz more than all of you all, so <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, the musical numbers weren't jazz, which is kind of, like, funny, but... I don't. I, I don't think jazz would have worked for musical numbers here. Not enough scatting, but. <laughs> um, so yeah. So bits and bobs about this. I mean, there's a lot of interesting trivia because this is a movie that's like very carefully constructed. So, like we talked about, right? Like the the tap dance scene that was during the golden hour. So they only had an hour to shoot. They did it like eight times. Um, we talked about how Ryan Gosling learned to play piano and tap dance for this. He may have learned to sing for this. He may have started a bit late. He only
2: learned so much.
0: Yeah, and part of me wonders, like, I, I have to assume he wasn't, like, improvising on the piano. They probably scored it for him, and, you know, he rehearsed the specific numbers. Um, but, yeah, so apparently uh, Chazelle, Chazelle, how do you say that, the director? Fucking my name. Chazelle, I imagine. Um he conceived of this before whiplash and pitched it around and all kinds of people want changes to, you know, have like them end up together at the end or, uh, you know, like the, the studios like demanded, uh,
1: I'm glad they didn't do
0: that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I could see that.
2: I could see the studio being like, change
0: yeah, it yeah they, they demanded that uh ryan gosling be a rock musician uh, <laughs> <then he'd... laughs> uh, he plays for nickelback <laughs> right and i mean say what you will about jazz right like jazz is at least something that has something you can be purist about yeah i, I true. can't see an argument being like oh my my christian rock band uh <laughs> it's it doesn't it's not true to what real rock is oh god this would have been so cringy if he's like think about hendrix and jimmy
2: page like but you're right jazz fits better with this yeah what? they should have done it with obscure norwegian death metal
0: <laughs> think about Sabaton.
4: <laughs>
2: Sing me that song, you wrote me.
1: Oh! <laughs> uh, Amon had a lot of good fucking shit going on. And
2: she just hears Viking horns, and she's like... <laughs> <laughs> she's like, every time I see long ships, I long for you.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. But, yeah, anyway, so... Uh, Chazelle um, went back and made Whiplash and then kind of that made it real big and then he was able to get interest in La La Land and sort of make it his way. Um,
2: so he's a very musically inclined director.
0: Oh yeah, he's super musically inclined. Um,
2: I got some more trivia.
4: Um, we talked a lot about Gosling and, and Stone as the musical singer or the actor choices, but the original uh, cast slating was
2: Miles Teller and Emma Watson,
4: Whoa. which I don't know. It would have been better.
2: Yeah, I feel like no. I feel like Ryan and Emma uh, have like really good chemistry in just all the movies they've been in. They're just they work well together. Yeah, Miles Teller and Emma Watson. I don't feel like they have as much charisma. It might have been good.
4: Like Watson is a musical actress in in that regard, mm-hmm. I guess, but. Like Emma Stone added that, like, textbook quirkiness, Mm -hmm. I think,
1: that played really well in this. I also think, I think also Stone is a much better actress when it comes to emotion and, and, you know, some of her auditions I thought were phenomenal, but like even just in the film, like playing on the fact that she's auditioning for film, I think she, like when she broke down into tears in her first one was pretty good. I thought it was really well done. It looked great. And it was kind of cool to see it's almost a behind the scenes kind of look at an actress because it's during a audition and she is able to bring that emotion up and we as the audience aren't. Not seeing her playing a part in a movie where she's crying. We're seeing her playing a part in a movie where she's pretending to cry. And we're seeing how she's able just, to just actually do dude that. Dude
0: dressed as a dude playing another dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> I mean, this this is like one level below uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder in terms of like meta acting. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, also, Did, I haven't this... heard Miles Teller sing, so I may have had the same issue.
4: <laughs> this movie had 14 Oscar nominations. I remember many. I remember watching this Oscar and it was just like la 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 land oh like, my holy fuck God
1: I think a little yeah, from yeah, that I... side coming from that side of it I don't know why that got so many nominations. Like I'm not saying it's a bad movie. For technical but stuff let's, for sure.
0: Okay, let let's let's go ahead. Let's let's look at what it was in contention for. So it was Nominated for Best Picture, f- like famous, not winner of Best <laughs> Which, Picture. Which
4: obviously, because, I mean, it was a Hollywood yeah. movie about Hollywood. Yeah. All right, next.
0: Um. So it won Best Director. It was up against uh, Denis Villeneuve, our other favorite, for Arrival. And, you know, Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge and, you know, Moonlight. Yeah, same, so, not surprising. Yeah
2: I, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't have a problem with that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, beyond the fact that Hollywood loves Hollywood, it, it seems like a fair pick. Yeah. Um, Ryan Gosling was nominated for Best Actor.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Love him as an actor, but this he didn't win. So. But Don't get me wrong, win. I love Ryan, but yeah, no.
0: He was up against the winner was Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea, which I haven't seen. Um, Emma Stone won Best Actress.
4: Believable, yes. honestly.
0: It was... uh, Best
4: Original Screenplay, which Yeah, nominated, didn't win. Basically like the JV version of Best Picture. Yeah. (laughs) Best Cinematography. This movie from the start was like, who wants an Oscar for Best Cinematography? (laughs) Like, now's your chance. (laughs) That that was just the notes. It
2: says the Oscar goes to...
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, um, got Best Original Score, which... Eh, I mean
1: I like I like the music that one's tough because when you
0: have a, an original musical it's tough
2: to beat it you know well you got to think it's the score though it's not the,
4: the uh, songs. yeah fair
1: enough fair enough mm-hmm.
0: sure. yeah but uh, I mean at the same time right like I, I would say the score. that I mean it's not about like which one has the best musical numbers right but the musical numbers do count for best score. right they sure. work into it so yeah, why, why I mean,
1: does it a mu- like why doesn't a musical include their musical numbers as a part of the score like i guess what they are they're included
4: it does but it's not the only thing that right. it that right.
0: yeah that and, and i'm just saying like yeah uh, other films you don't have to be a musical to have a score yeah. right but it's just refreshing not to see uh, Hans
2: zimmer
4: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> well so on that note though
4: two songs were nominated for best original song from this movie which is
1: crazy. Yeah. So obviously, it's obviously it's pretty. the the star song. What's the other one? Audition. The audition song.
0: Yeah, it was up against uh, uh, "Can't Stop the Feeling" from Trolls, the movie. Damn. Oh no. But <laughs> oh, it, that's
4: it did also beat "How Far robbery.
0: I'll Go" from Moana, which was by you know Lin Manuel. Oh. Oh, Moana was really good. That
4: that's yeah, a that's good original big. song. But both of the songs were written by Pasek and Paul, so I mean you can kind of Fair? assume they'd be good. yeah and they'd be oscar bait i guess Mm
0: -hmm. what i'll say about the soundtrack is you know it it doesn't have like a a lot of memorable numbers like a lot of musicals do but city of stars is definitely something that stuck in my head yeah i liked it uh was nominated for best sound editing but lost to arrival which as we discussed is uh an action movie (laughs) sci-fi award uh also nominated for best sound mixing, lost to Hacksaw Ridge, yep. which is the <laughs> war movie award. <laughs> uh one production design, one cinematography. I don't think anyone's gonna argue there. And yeah. And then nominated for film editing.
2: I don't know enough about film editing to like really mouth off on that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't sure. even edit a podcast little <laughs> on <out> a <of> film. <laughs>
4: Dude, the fucking war movie thing just continues to be a fact. It's so My funny. God. It's it should just be called
0: "and the war movie." This year is. <laughs> okay, let's let's see who got it in the next uh, year. Yep. Dunkirk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: Dunkirk. Yeah, I told you. I don't think there's.
0: Ninety uh... second Academy Awards. Uh, best sound editing went to Ford versus Ferrari, but sound mixing was nineteen seventeen.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like if you want a free academy, just do a war movie. But not a silent war movie.
0: Yeah, don't do that. You'll you'll win nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then they combine them into best sound. Oh.
4: Oh, really? I didn't... Hmm. Man, I've been out of the loop. Nowadays, I just watch for actors slapping
2: the host. I know, I just look for <laughs> what's the big drama that happened at the Oscars. Like, who hit who? Who yelled at who? <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, critically acclaimed... Yeah, I, I you know I think the critics talked about the same things we did, right? Like this the the cinematography, the music, the direction, you know that kind of stuff.
4: Fun fact: the uh, the uh, the dance choreography was done by Mandy Moore, but not the Mandy Moore you're thinking of. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> that was very confusing when I clicked on that link on Wikipedia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so fourteen nominations is a. Three-way tie for the record of most nominations oh, the Lord for a single of the film. Uh, All About Eve and Titanic. I think, yeah, uh, Return of the King won everything mm-hmm. it was nominated for. Yeah. That's why it's notable.
4: Oh, get, get to the fucking commercial success. This is exciting.
0: <laughs> commercial success box office. Uh, what are you looking at, June?
4: I'm seeing a budget of $30 million Yep,
0: Tiny. And Tiny
4: box office gross of $448
1: million.
0: Holy Yeah, <laughs>
1: That only so, cost $30 million to make. That's very low.
0: And I think uh, he had to be talked into increasing it to that. Well, they don't
2: measure people's time that they spent on the 405
0: freeway. <laughs> In terms of impact to the American economy. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so yeah we talked about accolades um yeah maybe now for the good part where do we rank this in the movies that we've watched this is
2: tough this one is rough because yeah. i'm looking at my list and i'm like wow that's gonna be really high and like because i just keep looking at movie oh did i enjoy it more than that did i enjoy it more than that
0: don't forget, King's Speech is the pivot.
2: I know, but now 12 Monkeys is my pivot, because I'm like, how do I compare this to 12
0: Monkeys? <laughs> <laughs> All right, June, you're up first. Um, I'm looking
4: back on the things I said, and I really focused on the negative, because I mm-hmm. think it's more fun to talk about. Uh, but I really like this movie the one thing that the one comparison that stuck out in my mind is i can't like logically say that the incredibles was better than this movie <laughs> so i'm gonna stick it at number six between sound of music and incredibles that's um yeah I, I think the immediate comparison is between the sound of music and this and i just i I did enjoy the sound of music more so yeah number six for me but really great
0: top
1: movie. ten Wow.
0: I'm gonna go ahead and jump the queue and just say that's the exact same question I was asking myself. Is, is this better than The Incredibles better than The Incredibles? Yeah. It's true. So I'm gonna put it at seven, just ahead of The Incredibles. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could
2: switch The King Speech and in The Incredibles on my.
0: <laughs> we're not oh going to get <laughs> Just I was driving back from our little vacation this weekend listening to the Born Ultimatum, you know, driving back. And I'll listen to 30 minutes of you talking about where you put the fucking King Speech. We're not gonna <laughs> let, do that again. Let me just switch that and I'll sleep
2: better at night looking at this. <laughs> uh, yeah, those two films are oh, the ones geez. that are out of place. Um Who's to- Alright, Shane,
0: where'd you put All it? Alright, we've
2: already gotten my King's Speech issue out of the way. Um I think mine barring the Incredibles everything above where i'm gonna put it i like it so i'm gonna put it at 10 um just above jfk but just under young frankenstein i i enjoy i think all the movies above it more other than the incredibles (laughs) but uh yeah number number 10 for me i i I really did like this film
0: yeah i i it was also looking at Young Frankenstein, which is right below The Incredibles <laughs> on my list, and I'm like, I think I I like Young Frankenstein more. It just has a special place in my heart. Maybe I
2: just need to watch The Incredibles but again. But it's better than The Incredibles.
0: <laughs> Maybe I've just forgotten the magic.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, um, Mike, where do you put it?
1: Uh, so this one, like we were talking earlier, it's a little bit more of a slow burn for me, and I don't I don't really like that. So as far as what I like from a movie. It's going to go lower on the list, but as far as my appreciation of this film, it definitely is higher up on the list. So it's going to go on uh, Mike's number got two lists. F- I have multiple lists. <laughs> it's going at, uh, it's going at number 13, right below 12 monkeys.
2: Okay. I, I just wonder what would have if he's like, here's how jazz works. And he pulls out the salt shaker and pepper and he's like, so this is the trumpet player and this is the pianist. <laughs> you
1: son of a bitch you know, honestly that still would not help me understand jazz
2: <laughs> and he's like so the slingshots around the drum set <laughs>
1: um but but overall i think it was it was a good movie it was it was enjoyable yep
0: well do you recommend watching it june
1: yeah yeah absolutely it's um
4: it's got a lot of technical prowess, a lot of nods to Hollywood. I think it it like perfectly encompasses the idea of La La Land, like LA. So it's good to good to kind of see that. Story story was it was wasn't the best, honestly. Um but it was enough to incur some emotion. So yeah, I recommend it. Chen? Yeah.
2: Yeah, watch it and that's not even just cuz like I like musicals. Like it's 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 a good film. It's got a lot going for it. It's it's worth a watch.
4: I would go so far as to say, if you don't like musicals, still watch it. Because it's, again, Mm. I don't know if you can really count it as a musical, you know? Don't let that be the detracting factor.
0: It's not fiddler on the roof here.
2: Yeah. that's (laughs) Yeah, there's no buy-in on like, oh, I'm a musical person, so I'll appreciate this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not like it's sung through, you know? Like, they just sing sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, anyway. Uh, And Mike said... Did we ask you, Mike? I got lost in the sauce there for a second.
1: I wasn't asked, um, but I would say <laughs> if I were asked, um, yeah, I think that's. I think it's worth watching. I think it's. Uh, I think it was a little refreshing as far as the musical goes, and I think it's kind of hitting on all your guys's points. It was a little different. I liked it. It was. Uh, it was enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I'd say it's worth the watch. Yeah. So there you hear it? I think this is probably the best movie that we've watched in a in a good minute. Um. I don't know. We had Blade we, Runner
2: just a couple of movies ago. I
1: really like 12 Monkeys. Um, keep keep well, yeah, your we'll... opinion to yourself. <laughs> <Keep> your...
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is a goddamn movie podcast. You keep your opinions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, thanks for joining us for La La Land. We're going to be going actually back in time to early uh, Hollywood to another film noir, which. uh Oh, should no. be fun we haven't done one of those in about 40 <laughs> movies yeah um with Out of the past 1947 movie
4: i'm excited for this movie because it's like so classic noir like it's about a private eye and like hell yeah a theft a heist yeah it's one of those one of those noirs so all
0: right
2: yeah let's do it all right
0: righty. well we'll catch you around thanks for joining us and uh all right start hitting ran-
2: <laughs> start hitting <laughs> random piano keys <laughs> <killers> ding 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 <laughs>